ಸಹನಾವತು ಸಹನೌಹುನಕ್ತು ಸಹವೀರ್ಯಂ ಕರವಾವಹೈ ತೇಜಸ್ವಿನಾವಧೀತಮಸ್ತು ಮಾವಿಷಾವಹೈ ಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿ ಶ್ರೀಗುರುಭ್ಯೋ ನಮಃ ಹರಿ ಓಕೆ ಲೆಟ್ ಮೀ ಶೇರ್ ಮೈ ಸ್ಕ್ರೀನ್ ಯು ವಿಲ್ ರೀಡ್ ದಿ ಶ್ಲೋಕಾಸ್ ದ ಪಿ ಆರ್ ಸ್ಟಡಿಂಗ್ ಟುಡೇ ಅಂಡ್ ದೆನ್ ವಿಲ್ ಗೋ ಬ್ಯಾಕ್ ಟು ದ ಸಮರಿ I hope you can see my screen now. If you can zoom it out, please, a little bit. Yeah, hold on a second. Um, this is on... Uh... Is it good enough? Okay. Yes. Okay, so today we are doing uh, uh, Shlokas 5. to 10 from the chapter 9 rajavidya rajaguhya yoga 6 to 10 rajesh sorry say it again 6 to 10 correct okay 6 to 10 so i was doing it in the wrong okay yatha kashasthito nityam vayu sarvatra gomahan tatha sarvani bhutani ಮಸ್ಥಾನಿಧಾರಯ thus you understand just as a great all pervading wind is ever present in space in the same manner all beings are in me thus you understand sarva bhutani kaunteya prakrutim yanti mamikam kalpakshaye punastani kalpadau visrujamyaham kaunteya o arjuna kalpakshaye at the end of each cycle sarvabhutani all beings yanti resolve mamikam prakrutim into my prakruti punaha again kalpadau at the beginning of the next cycle aham visrujami i create them o arjuna at the end of each cycle all beings resolve into my prakruti again at the beginning of the next cycle i create ಪ್ರಕೃತಿಂ ಸ್ವಾಮವಷ್ಟಿಸೃಜಾಮಿ ಪುನಃ ಪುನಃ ಭೂತಗ್ರಾಮಿಮಂ ಕೃತ್ಸ್ನಂ ಅವಶಂ ಪ್ರಕೃತೇರ್ವಶಾತ್ ಅವಷ್ಟಭ್ಯ ರಿಸಾರ್ಟಿಂಗ್ ಟು ಸ್ವಾಂ ಪ್ರಕೃತಿ ಮೈ ಪ್ರಕೃತಿ ವಿಸೃಜಾಮಿ ಐ ಕ್ರಿಯೇಟ್ ಪುನಃ ಪುನಃ ಅಗೇನ್ ಅಂಡ್ ಅಗೇನ್ ಇಮಂ ಕೃತ್ಸ್ನಂ ಭೂತಗ್ರಾಮಂ 
this entire multitude of beings, avasham, which is helpless, vashat prakutehe, a being under the control of prakuti. Resorting to my prakuti, I create again and again this entire multitude of beings, which is helpless, being under the control of prakriti. Dhananjaya, O Arjuna, Cha, however, Tani Karmani, Karmani, those actions, those actions, Na Nibadnanti, do not bind, Maam, me, Asaktam, who am uninvolved. Teshu karma, teshu karmasu, in those actions, asinam and who remain, udasinavat, like an indifferent person. O Arjuna, however, these actions do not bind me, who am uninvolved in those actions and who remain like an indifferent person. Shloka 10. Maya dhyakshena prakrutihi. Suyate Sacharacharam Hetu Nanena Kaunteya Jagadviparivartate Maya, because of me, Adhyakshena, the presiding principle, Prakrutihi, Prakriti, Suyate creates Sacharacharam, the universe of beings and things, Anena Hetuna, because of this reason, Jagat, the universe, Viparivartate, revolves. Kaunteya, O Arjuna. Because of me, the presiding principle, Prakriti creates the universe of things and beings. Because of this reason, the universe revolves, O Arjuna. Okay. So that was uh, uh, from uh, uh, 6 to 10. And uh, just to quickly summarize what we, uh, what we discussed in the last uh, week, um, we started off with uh, chapter uh, chapter nine, Raja Vidya Raja Gupya Yoga, and I think uh, um, in in this the Bhagwan is trying to tell tell us about uh, uh, the uh, what is what is what is that that secret? What is that one secret that if you know, you've known everything? And also, what why is it the king of all knowledges? And uh, uh, and at the at the beginning beginning of the uh, chapter itself, he says that uh, you know uh, this is this is a profound knowledge combined with experience. You shall be free from all sorrows of all life. Okay, so he's uh, giving us an assurance that it's not just theoretical, but it's also a practical uh, knowledge that we can actually get within this life. Uh, and then uh, uh, he also obviously you know cautions us saying that for those people those people who um, who have a doubting mind and who uh, who does not quote unquote uh, uh, have have very frivolous doubts? This will obviously not get to them at all. And uh, then he goes on to say to define this uh, thing, saying that this is a Rajavidya royal secret. It's a royal science. It's a supreme purifier, and it's realizable by direct intuitive knowledge. And according, it's according to the dharma. It's very easy to perform and it's imperishable, akshara. He says that. So it's not like any other uh, knowledge where you, you may potentially uh, uh, forget it, but uh, this will, you will never be able to do that. Um, 
So what happens to those people who uh, don't have faith in the Supreme Dharma? He says uh, uh, to Arjuna that uh, people who don't have faith in this uh, uh, in this Supreme Dharma of the secret that I'm going to share with you, they will continue to return on the path of uh, birth and rebirth. And then he introduces saying that uh, all this world is pervaded by me in my unmanifest form. All beings exist in me, but I do not dwell in them. That's the, that's the biggest secret what he says. And, uh, uh, and then it's, a, it's a, some sort of a relationship, relationship uh, relationless relationship between the real and unreal. So basically that's the key thing that I think uh, Bhagavan is trying to explain in this entire chapter for us. So then he goes on to explain saying that uh, the next step, saying that uh, the beings also don't exist in reality in me. Okay. So now he's first he said that, okay, all the beings exist in me. And then he says, none of the beings exist in me. And that's that's the contradictory statement that he's trying to explain. And we do, we discussed that. There are a couple of examples that was given as to um, uh, what, what we talked about. I think in the book, we talk about the... Uh, the uh, uh, post and the ghost example, where uh, you know the ghost exists because of the post lamp post, but then uh, from the perspective of the post itself, the ghost doesn't exist because the post is just a post, lamp post. You know where is the ghost? Okay, and I think that's the very uh, interesting thing. I think Alpana, you posted a couple of other examples as well in terms of the reflection of the um, um, forest in the lake. So uh, there, the explanation was that uh, the uh, the lake, uh, the forest is in the lake. But now how did you explain that? Now I'm trying to I'm trying to recall that. Um, can you explain that, Alpana? So that the the reflection is seen in the lake. So the forest exists in the lake, but it doesn't exist in the lake because there is no forest in the lake. So it exists and it does not exist both. Beautiful. Thank you for because that. Because it is only lake. Lake and only lake. It's only lake and lake. And then, of course, we also know that uh, uh, the water and the waves example, where uh, from the perspective of the water, waves doesn't exist. And from the perspective of uh, uh, waves, the waves exist. But then, since each one of the waves doesn't see itself as water, there is a difference between waves and water. We, un we understand that. And... Uh, So that's where uh, he talks about, I think we spent quite a bit of time trying to understand this concept, what Bhagwan is trying to explain, where uh, uh, he's saying that uh, uh, all these things exist in me, and but I don't exist in them. And then he says, none of them exist in me as well. So basically, he's saying there is going to be a state of mind when, uh, when you will say that uh, none of what we would see in that, uh, in this universe, uh, we would say that they, they don't exist. And that's the Supreme Brahman state when we have. So that's the quick thing that I winged pretty much today in terms of what we uh, discussed last week. Anyone else wants to add on to what we uh, <clears throat> what we discussed in the last week before we uh, go forward with uh, 9.6 to 10? Tal. Hi, I didn't understand the bit about that I don't dwell in them. That 
Krishna does not dwell in us. I, I didn't understand that bit. Yeah. So the example that uh, uh, Alpana was uh, taking, right? So it's like it's like a relation less relationship. So if you look at the, the uh, water and see the forest in it, okay, and uh, we might think the forest is dwelling in the in the water, but actually the forest does forest doesn't dwell in water at all. No, if you take the example of the wave and the water. The, the water dwells in the wave, right? So, yes. yeah, it was, uh, oh, yeah, last time also we were discussing this one. So when we say something dwells in something, the, the dwelling indicates it in its entirety it is within that. Whereas in the case of even water and wave, the wave is nothing but the water but not the entire water of the universe exists in that wave. So when we say dwelling, like I dwell in this house, you, in my entirety, I'm inside this house, but that's not the case. And hence he, he uses this term that even though yes, wave is nothing but the water, but it is not that in entirety, the entire water exists in that particular wave. And hence he says, I do not dwell in them. Meaning it's not that, there is something around it and I am inside that. That's the only uh, thing he's highlighting here. But that doesn't mean that actually there is nothing but him. It's not that he's living inside as a small thing which is covered by this individual, but it is actually nothing but him. So you can't use the term dwell in it. I think four and five are pretty uh, important uh, shlokas, right? The, the whole uh, chapter revolves around the house. So in the fourth shloka, he says, all this world is pervaded by me in my unmanifest form. Uh, so yeah, whatever Alpana said is the right thing. So the whole world is pervaded, but the consciousness in its entirety, does not dwell in any one individual. It is pervading the entire universe, so to say. So, in fact, it is the substratum on which everything exists. So, like the lake is enabling the forest to be seen. The forest is just appearing in it. So, it is everything is but lake only. Uh, so. Uh, as Swami SPG says, ki thasa thas hai Brahman. there is nothing but Brahman. It would be the same to say, wouldn't it, that although in Mitya, there's no Mitya without Satyam, there's no Mitya in Satyam. In the chain, to have the chain, it only exists because there's gold. But in the gold, there is no chain. That's why we talk about it as an incidental uh, manifestation. There is, and that's where we were. You were asking the question earlier. We don't dwell in Krishna in the sense that there's no us, there's no Mitya, there's only Satyam, there's only Krishna. That's my understanding. Correct. And Krishna doesn't dwell in us because he's not limited by just as individual. It's there everywhere. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and I think if we go back to one previous uh, chapter, I think it was probably two chapters before this chapter, 
where uh, you know it's explained in a different way as well in terms of a garland of flowers where you know you will not see the thread which goes through the garland but you can see the garland um, but with, without the thread the garland is never never there although it's a there is a relation direct relationship between the, the thread and the garland in that example but uh, i think um, uh, in the, in this case what what bhagwan is trying to explain is that uh, you know nothing can exist without me but i can exist independent of everything else okay. and so it's a, it's just a perspective difference okay if we are able to if you are perceiving this world as well uh, for whatever reason it's not that the world quote unquote does not exist for for our limited vision but when you take up the vision of of the uh, the the different vision and see it then it's nothing but entirely from and that's the next um, remaining 18 chapters in the book in fact he also touches upon it in the sixth one and where he says that the subtle is the relationship between the subtle and the gross there is no relationship because there are different levels so whatever is subtler um like the space, I mean, the, the, the shloka itself takes the example of a space, that there is no relationship between the wind and the space. Space does enable the wind to flow around or provides or accommodates wind, but wind doesn't impact the space at all. It cannot because space is subtler than um, wind. So anything which is subtler cannot be impacted by the the grosser. And in the scale of subtlety, uh, consciousness is even subtler than space, even subtler. and all it Correct. is even more uh, pervade, pervasive. Yeah. In fact, it's, it's not only just subtler; it is it belongs to a different level of reality also. So that adds another dimension to it, like. In dream, if we are hungry, we cannot use the pizza which is kept in the fridge because it belongs to the waking reality. Um, we need the dream pizza to appease the hunger in the dream. Similarly, the consciousness belongs to the absolute reality and what we see in this transactional reality is a level uh, below, for lack of any other word, or different. Um, so, so it cannot even touch it like the dream uh, person cannot touch anything which is in the waking world. Whatever is happening around in this transactional world cannot touch the absolute reality. And it is true other way around also. If a, if a security officer is standing outside your house physically and you are getting robbed in your dream, the security officer from the waking world cannot come and protect you. Similarly, the absolute reality is of a different level of reality. It cannot come and impact even the transactional world. So it works both ways, not just one way. So maybe Alpana, at this stage, it's probably important to ask this question. Right? And, and I'm asking this uh, uh, for the benefit of the group here. So why do we, uh, why do we not see that in our lives? We see it everywhere. We see only that. Um, 
Yeah, what's the question, Quintax? Uh, see what? I mean. Why, do, why don't we see Brahman everywhere? Yeah, whatever we are seeing is Brahman. What but do you why, see? Why don't, we, why don't we actually, I mean, yeah, that's the theory, but why don't we really see it? Because you're seeing the snake in the rope because of ignorance. The ignorance is also in the mind. So both the observer and the observed is projected. See, if only the observed was projected and the observer was real, then there is a possibility that you can take away the observed and see something which belongs to the same reality as the observer. But even the observer is of the same reality as the observed. They both belong to the same reality and they're both projected. So they can only see what is in their reality. Having said that, for that projection, the, the screen, when the movie is running, you cannot see the screen. But is there anything other than the screen? It is the screen only that we see. It's just there's a superimposition on it of the movie. Similarly, what we see is Brahman, but the entire transactional reality is superimposed on it. And hence, it's coloring it. Thank you, Alpana. Sakuba? No. <clears throat> uh, this is basically a question, actually. So I was, I think, listening to Swami P. And uh, so he was saying that, you know, that the dream state doesn't exist without the, you know, the Jagrat state. And not the other way. So, I, you know, from the concept of the subtleness, is there anything like the dream state is more subtler than the Jagrat and the uh, the other state, deep sleep state is even subtler than? Is there anything like, the, is the, does the subtleness uh, come in the case of the three states of being awake? Because I didn't understand. He says that dream state, because it is subtler, so it, do, it doesn't exist, um, you know, without a... Uh, uh, in a waking state, whereas the reverse is not true, or have I understood wrongly? I think you're you're right in your understanding. I don't, at, at least from what I read, the subtlety scale does not apply to the three states of uh, the sleep, the waker, and the deep sleep. Uh, the sorry, the waker, uh, dream, and uh, deep sleep states. Uh, subtlety principle don't. Uh, but just as there are those three states, the deep sleep, dream, and the waking state, there is another state which we are not experiencing, right? The consciousness principle is in that reality, which is apart from these three realities. Actually, if I may add, the fourth one is not apart from it. It is through and through, through the three states. Okay. So it's not okay. different from the three states. So that's one point. The other point is um, the dream is because of the subtle body. Now, in the waking state, all three bodies are there, which are experienced. The gross body, the subtle body, and the causal body. Whereas in the dream state, only subtle body and causal body is there. And in the deep sleep, only causal body is there. But in terms of subtlety, yes, I'm not sure whether we can, we can say. But uh, one at one place I've heard that default is actually the deep sleep. That's because that's the causal body. So that's the default mm -hmm. state. From there, you can either go into the waking state or you can go into the dream state. 
But why I think he would have said without waking state dream is not possible because during waking state, whatever we experience, that is what create impressions in the mind. And then mind is able to project that in the dream state. So that could be one reason why he's linking it to the uh, without waking state, if you don't experience anything, there wouldn't be any dream either. Because dream is, is usually projection of the um, any of the experiences that it, it can be rewired, but it is typically what is, it's either due to vasana or due to sanskar. So it's either due to what we desire or it is due to what we have experienced. So that could be the linkage of why dream cannot exist without waking state experience in the past. Sakuba, I think what he said was without the waker, there is no dream. The waker is required for the dream to uh, uh, to happen, right? Without the waker, there's no dream. That's I think that's what he, uh, that's what is there in that uh, uh, talk. Uh, so, so that, no, but the depth from deep sleep, you know, just now Alpana was saying that, you know, deep sleep, from deep sleep, I can either get into uh, a dream state or a, a wake, wake up state. But, um, but if there was no, I mean, if I was, if I was not in the uh, way, you know, waking state ever, then there is no concept of a dream state at all, right? Like just as Palpana just tried to explain that whatever you were, vasanas and sanskar and you know, when your imprints is what come as a dream, right? So that way there is no dream state i mean you don't exist in the dream state if you have never been in the wake up state so it is like the first time at least from the causal state to you know all the three states it should have come otherwise there is no dream state at all and anyway, are you so talking think... about in one one uh, one birth or you're talking about multiple births in the past because you could have experienced many things in the past in your past past birth so you would i don't think that uh, uh, the reason the, the I, I don't re, I don't recall what uh, uh, Swami Paramarthananda said there, but my sense is what Buddha is saying. Okay, that's the same thing. Basically, the dreams can't exist without the waker. Maybe with respect to subtlety, yes. the way that the way that I have understood that is when you look at uh, 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 in terms of um, uh, uh, subtlety, in terms of you know of the uh, the concept being spread, right? Like if it's a wake, wake, waking up person. The person is bound by the time and space. Mm -hmm. And a dream person is still bound by the time and space of what he or she creates in the dream. Okay. Whereas a deep a person in deep sleep has no concept of time and space at all. And they will not even know where they are, whether physically in a particular location or mentally in a particular location, because for them, for that particular individual in deep sleep, the body doesn't exist, the mind doesn't exist. Only thing that exists at the point of time is what we call it as uh, ignorance, avidya. Because they don't know who they are. That is a reality. Okay. All right. So, Ajay. So what I wanted to say was... One, that... one second. Tal, tal, tal. I'm going in that order. Uh, Ajay. Yeah, sorry. Uh, no, I think, uh, you know, as Uday was saying, you know, four and five are uh, just... You know, examples are the best way to understand it. And uh, I 
particularly like the example of the movie screen. So what uh, what four and five really say is that you are in me, I am not in you. And in reality, actually, even you are not in me, right? And the the, the screen example actually is is very apt because the movie is in the screen, is on the screen or in the screen. The screen is not in the movie. And actually, once, uh, if you think about it, there is only the screen because the movie is only a, is only a mythia, right? It's only a creation or whatever, right? Projection. So I think the movie example in some ways kind of really sort of speaks to the three steps that, uh, that Krishna is, is talking about in four and five. Very similarly, uh, the other one which sort of resonated with me was the example of a light bulb in a in a in a in a dark room, for example, right? The bulb illuminates everything in the room, but the adhishtanam of that is electricity, right? So without electricity, there is no there is nothing. There's, there's nothing to be seen. Uh, so the only constant in all of this is electricity. So if there was no electricity, there was no room, there was nothing to be seen, right? So to me, those two examples kind of sort of work well when, when I think about four and five. Thank you. Ajay. I mean, the movie example actually is the best because it, it is something which, you know, is easy to comprehend because we know the, the movie is Mithya. And the movie, the, the screen is the only thing that is the reality. The rest of it is either a projection or onto it or, but it, the, 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 the screen is, is not into any, in, in anything. Screen is, is the only thing. God only is. Got it. Well said. Pratik. Yeah. My question is a bit more fundamental. Uh, See, now that uh, we have reached uh, chapter 9 and uh, almost uh, Krishna is saying that so I am there in all all the uh, you know objects of the world. So uh, my question is, see, does consciousness exist in non-living beings also like a stone or a, you know like whatever, like a rock, like a mountain or is it only the existence which is there? So, so when Krishna says that, uh, you know, I am there in the stone, I am there in the rock, I am there in you also. So does it mean that uh, the consciousness uh, exists in the non-living uh, beings also, like a stone or a rock? That is question one. Uh, or is it only the sat part or it is only the existing part, the chit, the sat and chit exist in human beings, only the sat exists in the non-living beings. Is that the true sense? Alternately, my question too is, if the rock uh, is existing, it is because of his, uh, you know, I'm saying his because of its purva karma. So it became a rock. So let us say, na. so how does the rock, uh, you know, complete its prarabdha uh, karma and, and go to the next state? Or is it a defined period of time uh, and then, you know, the rock has to get converted into different levels or come back to the original human being level? And then, uh, you no, know, do all this, uh, you know, practices, and then uh, elevate to the next level. So, a very fundamental question, because I used to listen to Avayar, who said that, you know, kallagi, puagi, puruagi. Then you have to become a human. Then from human, you have to become a, say, whatever. You know, you should become, uh, you know, God. 
so so how do we uh, relate this to what krishna is saying in chapter 9 that everything is god so so for example in a stone is there a consciousness so how do we realize you know that stone is also a god is is my you know one fundamental question you know i may be off the track but i think uh, you know uh, request the team to clarify my doubt on this great question anyone wants to answer i can go <laughs> um yeah it may be a little bit of uh, counterintuitive but i believe everything has consciousness so 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 first part is see so there are two types of answers that you will usually hear there is satchitanand everywhere but then it depends on the reflective medium whether what is manifested so when you see a sentient being it has an antakaran which has a reflective medium which is made up made up of satogun which is capable of reflecting consciousness and hence uh, the living beings appear conscious so so that that says that there are living beings and then there are non living beings but if you if you extrapolate this and if you talk about our gods so gods have subtle body now if you look at all the gods they are all the natural forces as well so himalay is also a himalay uh, there's a there's there's a devta who uh, who relates to that physical himalay body as his so there is a subtle body of himalay so that, that subtle body can reflect consciousness so in that sense yes the body may appear as insentient because even if you look at living things a starfish appears to be a rock but it is a living thing right so what all can manifest depends on the physical body but there is a subtle body associated with everything so like a river like the mountains like the uh anything fire water uh air they all have subtle bodies but the body itself may not manifest a number of faculties that we are used to so in a human being all faculties are available those faculties may not be available so that's my other answer so you can you can choose hey, just dipping into just dipping dipping into uh Peter's question. Second part: How does the consciousness in the rock evolve to more sentient forms? So then, these subtle bodies. So only um, manushya yoni is capable of doing karmas, which will add to the bank balance that we have. Right now, before getting another human birth, based upon. what are sanchit karmas are we can go through different yonis now imagine if you are earth you will get the body for the entire creation of earth only when the universe will dissolve in the next creation you will have a chance to become something else that's one way or even the um, even the rocks they are minerals so they can go through you know the plants can have them and then what you eat so you can take birth if you if you go atom by atom it can take a body 
but as a subtle body you will evolve or or you'll go down based upon karmas done only as a human being but then there are other species that you have to go through depending on your because the sanchit karma is a huge bank balance you can go through many many lives before you're born again as a human being but you will only uh, create new sanchit karmas or uh, or the prarabdh is based upon what you know what you what you're born with in a human life thank you alpana any other any other comments on petesh no, questions no basically i just wanted to add to what alpana said right um, see swami chinmayananda also used to say that um, you know consciousness is everywhere right um, the second thing is um, you know at it is also you know a process of evolution so when you look at a rock it only has a form yeah and then when you come into the plant kingdom etc you have a form and you also have the first signs of a mind developing which is like you know a sunflower actually turns towards a certain thing right it's a very very nascent uh, you know process of evolution and when you come to a animal you have a mind but then the mind is only doing a it has a certain um uh, characteristic and attribute and it just goes by that so for example if um uh, there is a bee which is constructing a beehive it will construct the beehive as per its understanding and it has been doing this for millions and millions of years they have not decided to put a balcony in the you know beehive you know make a different house of a different architect because they have been given a certain mind but they have not had don't have an intellect the intellect is only there with a the human right that is why the the human birth is supposed to be the most precious right so all the animals whatever be them they only hunt for food when the when they are not hungry they will not hunt so that is why sometimes even in the safaris you see that you know some of these animals are not necessarily you know uh, 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 being seen as aggressive they may be coexisting with buffaloes and other things when they are satiated but when only when the hunger springs up you know it starts to you know uh, then go for the hunt right they work in a certain uh uh you know uh manner which has been predestined for them right and they don't change that particular aspect of it doesn't change it is only when it comes to the manushya is uh, you know the chance of an intellect is there and the intellect starts to show and why therefore it is a most important because this is the only janma uh, only species through which man can realize god because of his intellect so so that's that's how i have heard the uh, just remembering what i have heard of shinmayananda sometime back yeah yeah oh, sorry i understood subbu which means that suppose you get uh, degraded to uh, you know an animal let us say na in this karma you are a human but you don't perform your uh, sanchita karma and you do a lot of uh, you know other karmas and you get degraded as an animal so all let us say you know even you get degraded as a rock so which means that from the rock to the animal to the human the entire uh, course of journey is again reset by the god so until you reach the human form so which means that you remain a dog for 3 years then you know slowly you elevate to you know like a buffalo then you elevate to you know half calf then you become an human so the the entire series of going back and coming back that that period is defined by god because the animals or the rocks doesn't have karma no? so which means that once you get degraded until you get upgraded to human form is totally uh, you know predefined kind of thing which means that uh, the the, uh, the 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 one after the other happens no 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 it's not predefined it's based upon your karmas only you have enough sanchit karma to take many many births so they will no, when i sorry 
when i get degraded to a buffalo what the sanchita karma the buffalo will do no you cannot do you, any karma no? atomic karma as a human being you have a huge bank balance only few handful of karmas are used to give you any birth they'll still take more from the same bank balance you'll keep using it up but there is no defined it depends on what type of karmas you have which can give you a different birth i, I think in uh, chapter 8 um, i think krishna talks about this right so uh, the way my guru also explained which is in, in alignment with what krishna talked talked about was uh, see the last the you know the every in, whatever birth right uh, whether it's a plant uh, whether it is a rock whether it is a river they get inspired right for example a fish staying for a fish for a long time suddenly sees a tortoise right the possibility that i can go to the land comes there right and the, then the fish is inspired to become a tortoise right the possibility opens up and if that becomes a bigger possibility when the fish dies if that's a topmost desire then the next birth it becomes is the for tortoise right the same fish if it sees like a human being right and the guy can walk and they can do talk and all that right and if it's inspired by that sometimes the the, the quantum leap it cannot take so it needs to go become a tortoise and then become a human sometimes it can also take a quantum leap and just become a human right the the last whatever the, the 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 whatever the cognition that in that birth when it dies the last moment of the birth whatever is the, the desire of that being right everything everything is sentient that's uh, that's my understanding also the last desire of that being it becomes the next birth uh, that is that is how uh, it evolves it doesn't need to go through a series right it can jump if if it has enough intelligence in the bio memory it can jump also and that is why sometimes you see there are like my guru always says you know there are a lot of people who are more animalistic in their nature is because all those guys are just the first first birth of a human being right from an animal that's why they have more animalistic characteristic and then they will refine as a human in the next births uh, like you know a lot of the dmk guys and all if you look at it right that phenomenal this phenomenal they're all from just a Uh, just jumped into from an animal birth and got into politics you know a lot of a lot of that is happens so i love that yeah thank you <laughs> yeah that's how my guru explained it so you know it's just uh, the last last desire is what drives your next body when you when you leave the body and i think krish bhagwan krishna also talked about in chapter 8 if i recall the same, same exact phenomena yeah yeah understood 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 so the last desire is for everybody not only the humans but also for all uh, non living beings also Yes, uh, the same. So, 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 Well, on a lot of what we've just been talking about, I don't really know very much. But the one thing I will say is my understanding of like rocks and earth is that it, it there's an order to it and the order is chit. Uh whether consciousness may not be reflected, but there is an order. Uh a molecule that is gold does not tomorrow wake up and be silver. Now, that doesn't take away the fact that under great pressure oil can become or coal can become diamonds but there is an order to it and even disorder is within the order so that's 
partly how I understand shit is reflected everywhere. The other comment that was, or question that was asked to the group about why we don't see Brahman everywhere. I think we're back to the point we were talking about last week. It is the self that recognizes the self as the ahankara, as seeing ourselves through ignorance and error, we're not going to see the limitless in the limited. But when we ourselves awake, it is the limitless recognizing itself. And once it's recognized itself, there is only one self, and then everything is that. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Over yes. to you now. Mute. Yeah, sorry. Uh, what I wanted to say uh, to what Strini said, right? I think uh, SPG says in one thing, in one lecture that I was just listening to recently, where he says the clock is. The book is, and it is the isness that we must remember that the whole thing is about the isness, right? So, so that's the uh, my comment about uh, inanimate objects. On dreams, I just wanted to say. You know, when, when I'm disturbed, when I have many thoughts in my mind, I have a dream. When there are no thoughts in my mind, when there is nothing disturbing me, I usually have no dream. So if you can just sort of explain that. Just in passing, uh, Sandeep, not not the answer to your question, but Swami P says, people who think they don't have dreams are that is another dream. That's a good one. So, um, uh, Tal, maybe I'll, I'll just take a take a shot at this, right? So, I think the way that I've understood this is that uh, uh, it's not about your immediate. First of all, the couple of things. One is it's not about your immediate state of mind. Okay, even if you have had a peaceful day with no disturbances, apparent disturbances in your mind that you may not know, something else might be brewing in the bottom, in the in the in the deep, uh, I would say, ocean of your mind, which could bubble up and come up, and it could be a tsunami or it could be a minor wave. We don't know that. So, um, the the uh, the um, quote unquote apparent calm mind during the waking day, waking you know eighteen hours of the day is no precondition to say that you will not likely get any dreams. That's uh, uh, probably not the right way of interpretation because the not just today, uh, that not just today in the living day that uh, you were calm, but uh, maybe in the billions of births that you that you, we have taken, maybe there's something else that's coming up. So we don't know what's the method to that madness. Maybe there's an order. And like what Rick said, yes, there is going to be an order. But uh, we don't know that. So something could come up, something could not come up. We don't know that. So uh, that's one thing. And second thing is when it comes to uh, uh, dreams itself, 
I think there was another question uh, maybe you asked or somebody else asked. The point is, how does a dream dream get created? Okay, um, when when there is perfect uh, balance of your mental energies in some fashion or the other, then the dream does not happen for you. However, when there's even a slight imbalance in those things, the dreams does indeed happen. Now you, you stretch it back a little from an individual perspective to, to the global and the universal perspective, not even global, to the universal perspective. If there is, if there is an entity who is, quote-unquote, the uh, conscious entity that identifies itself with the entire universe that you and I see today, and if that entity at the beginning of uh, the time decides that, okay, I am going to create something in here, then because of that particular disturbance out there in that mind, in that universal mind, it actually creates the universe. Pretty much like what we create in our dreams. So it, it, the whole idea is that, okay, where do you identify yourself today? And what is the kind of universe that you want to create? So in our limited uh, uh, vision, we identify ourselves with this body and mind. And we use the material within, within within our own mind to create our own dream universe. Whereas there is another entity, which actually who we are, but that entity identifies itself or actually doesn't, doesn't identify with the Prakriti um, that, that we're talking about in this shlokas. It actually creates this universe. In fact, my, my guru, you know, somebody asked him some very similar question. He said... Uh, he said, like, that's what he said, right? This waking state itself is, is a lie, right? Uh, and you, like, you know, don't spend time analyzing so much about dreams. Uh, like, you know, that's one level below that, right? So basically, like, pretty much he said, you know, this itself, spend the energy on just understanding your waking state itself is not not true, right? That's, uh, and then, you know, let's not worry too much about dream. That's kind of what he almost, like, didn't said, you know, focus focused on this side to understand, get out of your current waking state. That's how we answer that question. Um, and and one more comment on the previous question from Pete, right? There is a beautiful, in Rama's history, there's a story of Ahalya. I don't know if you know that, you should read it up, right? So where she, from a human, she becomes a stone and then she becomes a human again. Just to, I think that if, if you want to maybe read any of the Guru's interpretation of that, that will also give you some insights on how those those jumps happen. Uh, just uh, just uh, this some reference in Rama's like from there. Excellent, excellent, Mukko. Just moving forward, uh, I know uh, Tal and Mukko, you still have your hands raised. Uh, is there anything uh, that, that we I'm good, covered, uh, Rajesh. covered and you're not lowered your hands? I'm, I'm good, Rajesh. Okay. So I just want to move forward, right? I think I'm looking at uh, Shloka uh, 7, where it, where, it see, where he says that uh, all beings who count their go into my prakriti at the end of a kalpa, I send forth them again at the beginning of the next kalpa. So, you know, I think in the previous chapter, we talked about what is a kalpa and everything, right? So it's 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 like, you know, um, thousand mahayugas and the thousand mahayugas is like a huge amount of time. Uh, each mahayuga is about, how much is it? 4.32 4 million years. And, um, we're talking about 4.32 into 1,000, roughly. That's one day of Brahma. And that is one Kalpa. And in within that Kalpa, so basically, when Brahma sleeps, when Brahma uh, sleeps, he takes 
whatever that he has created in his dream, which is actually who we are, all of us and just beings and everything, he takes all of us and he takes it back into his cosmic mind. And the next day morning when he wakes up, he again throws it out. And if you look at that example, if you look at our own dream examples, our own dream examples is, I don't think that we have a sequence. You know, I dream today something and tomorrow, I, I, you know, to be concluded as soon as I woke up. And next, the next day when I dream, I dream again, it, it doesn't start from there. Does it? I don't think I have ever experienced a dream, which is like a, a movie serial that I've seen. Okay, it's, it's random. So what's the whole, uh, going by the same logic, I think Brahma, when, uh, when, when the Kalpa ends and the new Kalpa starts, I don't think that it's logical to expect that the universe will start from where it, it ended in the previous night of Brahma. It can start from anywhere, depending on how Brahma wants to create. Is that is that true, Rajesh? I mean, uh, so once the kalp, once the creation sort of withdraws at the end of the kalpa, then my understanding was that you pretty much sort of start from where you sort of left it, and that goes back to the question to the point that Alpna was making about the rock. I mean, the rock. So at the end of the creation, or when the creation gets withdrawn. I mean, I always thought that, you know, your your sukshma sort of stays the same and or, or, or kind of retains all the vasanas and all the sort of history, if you will. And then based on your on your prarabha from the sanchita, you kind of start all over again. Yeah. But I, I mean, I, I'm a little bit sort of... No, I, I, I brought up the point only to point out the logical uh, way of thinking about it. But then in reality... What I have read is that Brahma actually requires a few models. Okay, he cannot create anything out of vacuum, so he requires yeah. a model. Okay, he requires a model which he picks from the previous creations that has happened. That either he has created in his previous kalpa or some other Brahma has created in some other kalpa in their in their life. So there's always a model. Okay, and the model because in our in our theory of uh, 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 Sanatana Dharma, we don't say that. Uh, Time is sequential. We say it's a circular. Okay, so whatever has happened now or is likely to happen has happened in the past sometime. So basically, to, to answer your point, uh, Ajay, uh, there is a certain amount of randomness to it, but at the same time, there's an order to it because Brahma can't arbitrarily create what he wants to create. in this. <clears throat> so he has a model for it. Yeah, I mean, in my mind, the randomness is only to the extent of which of the Handful of prarabdhas he picks up from the big bank of, of uh, Sanchita, right? Yeah. But otherwise, I mean, and, and that is irrespective of, I would have thought of whether it is Kalpa or it's uh, next verse, for example, right? I mean, the basic principle of which I have kind of internalized in my mind is that everything is being done by us, right? It's just karmas, right? Which are kind of playing out. And that Brahman doesn't do anything, it's Akarta, right? And Brahman is only doing, you know, sort of like the, it's a supercomputer which is kind of managing this on a certain principle, which is to say, look, you are responsible for your karmas and therefore the future is is going to come out of that, that sort of uh, bank. And uh, how it allocates may have some, also may have some science actually, it may not be just random, it might also have something in terms of 
if you have some desires unful unfulfilled, for example, you know, they, you know, your prarabdhas might the next birth might be aligned to to sort of fulfill those desires, for example, right? But at least there, that there is an apparent randomness, I would like to think. But I think even there, there is some some order or some base some basis. Yeah, there is a there is an order. Unfortunately, the order is probably not visible from our perspective. Correct. I mean, from our point of view, it looks random, but it, it may looks random. Not... But there's an order for sure. Yeah, yeah. and right. that order, no, I that agree. order is what uh, I think Bhagwan says as dharma. In fact, I agree with what Ajay was saying. In fact, you know, in this, uh, these five shlokas, there is the word creation that is getting used multiple times. But isn't it, I mean, even Brahma, it doesn't create anything, right? So it's it's like, you know, probably from, a, you know, everything goes back to the unmanifested state and then it gets manifested and then based on what, what part of... Uh, um, you know, Sanchitakarma that you take and born as Prarabdha, so that's what will will be this thing. So you actually use your own bank account only. I don't think it is absolutely... First thing is that nothing is getting created as such. And second is, it is taken... I mean, the amount of karma that you take and then born in a particular thing, that may be random, but not what you are born as. I mean, something that you have... I mean, your karma account definitely plays a role in this. Absolutely. And there are stories actually of people who have uh, lived from one kalpa to another kalpa and they have taken births in a different way. For example, Devi Bhagavatam actually talks about that. Devi Bhagavatam is a story about two people. One is a king and one is a, a businessman. And finally, they listen to Devi's story and all that stuff. And I'm going to, I'm going to talk about it one of the days in one of the you know, slots that I'm going to get from this group. And what happens is that the uh, the uh, the, the uh, businessman realizes the, uh, the problems of being attached to his family and all that stuff. So he seeks the goddess to be liberated and she gives him the liberation. Whereas the king, the king actually decides that he wants to have a kingdom that he wants to rule for a very long period of time. And he actually becomes reborn as a king and he's actually the Manu that uh, he is born as uh, Swarochi Shamanu or something like that in the previous Kalpa. So, so it you are right, Sakuba. You know the the person's um, desires drive their quote unquote next birth, whether in this Kalpa or some other Kalpa. Sorry, I'm going taking too much time. Alpana, over. no, on the on, on the first part. Sorry, uh, just on the same point. You know, on the first part of my question. So, do we interpret the word? I mean, the creation word is used multiple times. So. Do we, you know, understand that word as we understand English creation or no. it's not, there is nothing to be created, right? Nothing to be created. It's manifested. Okay. Sorry, Alpana, to you. No, no. It was actually on the same point that there is no creation. It's just projection. So I think this entire karma theory is to explain certain things because we have doubt why this happens to this, why this has happened, why this has happened. But eventually there is no karma theory either because there is no creation. There is no, in fact, even manifestation is, uh, yeah, probably we can use the word manifestation, but it's more of a projection. So Maya includes space, time and causation. 
so even causation is projected and i think i, I had uh, i had explained that earlier as well but something i had contemplated a lot upon uh, is to contemplate on causation itself so causation is a projection so the best way i have understood is using the dream example you start seeing a dream you're seeing you're playing somewhere and then suddenly your mom comes now if you look at the chronological order the mom came after your dream has started but there is a causation which is built in that this mom existed before you and had you the grandfather may come towards the end of the dream but the grandfather the so, causation causation is projected that this grandfather was born before and before and before right so so there is no creation and it, this entire the whole purpose of vedanta is actually to transcend this karma theory as well but this karma theory in interim is very useful so that we are not distracted by a lot of other questions why is this happening why am i born there why is some person having you know to go through the poverty why is somebody being murdered why is an animal being born so this karma theory really explains and takes your mind away from all these doubts but eventually there is no creation it's all just it's just yeah, a, yeah like yeah, why they did the snake come from what prarabdh it had there is no snake on the rope it didn't do any any karma so eventually actually we have to start thinking about that even this karma theory even though i only explained so much in the earlier question this is how it is to satisfy myself yes this whole logic works but eventually we have to say that the snake never was really created on the rope there was no prarabdh of the snake or anybody it just appears and that this whole creation is entirely like this the way you described the way you described it alpana uh, you know I, i i don't disagree with you i mean you're right i mean it is a it is a projection and therefore it is not real right and you're right vedanta's goal is to you know realize that that aspect of it right but within that projection within that projection within that sort of limitations of that projection of course uh because you use you, you said there is no karma theory for example right i mean the way i look at it is that and and that you know karma theory is like something to satisfy ourselves you know i i, I thought that the way i think about it is that yes there is no it's all a projection there is it's not real it is and we are all in that sort of zone so it is kind of it feels real but it's not but that within that projection within that projection there is a order to that chaos right or that there's an order to that projected chaos if you will and that is the and what underlies that order is karma or karma theory or whatever right that there is i mean within that sort of limited space of projection the karma theory holds is that how i think about it? so so that's what and, so and the, that, logic that is, that our, is, the logic is in our the logic is in our mind when we yeah. say that snake is 
slithering or that thing that's projected by us, right? Yeah. So we because our mind thinks logically, even that logic is projected. Agreed, agreed. I'm saying within that sort of within that thing, it, there is that logic is karma. But you're right. I mean, at the end of the day, everything is with him. Yeah, I mean, it is way, it is disturbing, but <laughs> but something to ponder upon. Yeah, to to move away. Actually, you you will come a full circle, accepting exactly what scientists say, but with a lot of awareness. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. So there's a difference in the truth. discussions. No, I have a question for on the same, uh, you know, topic only. And to Alpana. So is it fair to say, therefore, so long as you're there in the, you know, uh, dual world, you know, all these things work, karma theory, this, 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 the moment you say you're rooted in the self, then there is no karma, there is no nothing. And then you just out of it, out of the circuit, right? Correct. So absolutely right. So as long as, no, to, even to your point, Ajay, as long as I think I am this body mind, I think there is a lot of, you know, there's a lot of, uh, uh, what's the word to use? So lace in thinking that there is order to it and there is a karma theory. What I do, I reap benefit of that, right? So as long as I think I am this body, but the moment we try to go to the, to abstract it, that the absolute reality part, then all of this, it's easier when we start thinking that it is a projection. And hence that movie, screen and the movie example. Movie, you can project no, I, anything, right? No, no, I, I agree with you. The, the only thing which I'm struggling, and I totally, I'm totally with you on this, right? Uh, the only thing I'm struggling with, if you will, is some of the choice of words, right? So, for example, when you say you derive solace, right? It just as long feels as like I am associating with the body. Yeah, with the with the yeah with the what is it the vyavaharik right? or in the transactional right? reality. Transactional yes. world. Sorry, thank you. Yes. So you're right. I mean, in the transactional world, but you know the way at least I would like to be, think, you know, because we are in the transactional world, and I'm a million my, my, million years away from from no. realization. No, no, you don't know. You don't know. You're okay, not. not. You're but, not. That's what we love you again. But in the, in the current sort of transactional world, you know, I don't, you know, the word solace, for example, feels like, you know, like a child, right? To say, maybe that's true. I mean, again, again, I'm, I'm trying to just, you know, internalize it for myself. The moment you say solace is, you know, like, you know, it's more of that. But my my view, at least, is that in the transactional reality or the transaction world, not reality, I think the karma theory, theory is rooted in some good basis. That's how I think. It's not just a solace for me in the transactional world, but I would like to believe that the karma theory in the transactional world is, is I, I, I hate to use the word real, but it is, it is, yeah. it, it exists, right? The way <laughs> Way, as real think, as uh, the dream. <laughs> I, 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 I see what you're saying, and I know you're like four steps ahead of, of, of all of us, perhaps. But yeah, yeah I, I'm I, just pushing in that direction, including myself. No, no, I get, I get so what, I get what you're all. saying. It's just that I'm trying to just take a step at a time. So yeah. yeah. 
I, I think the way uh, my guru explained this right it, it the, the truth is in many levels right it's not uh, so I, I think based on where you are it, you, the grasping happens i think the great example he gave was like think of it like we are a cd right a pre-recorded cd right put in a cd player right the cd player and the cd is the bod- body mind ecosystem right the identity that we carry right if i just think i am a cd and if i'm not aware somebody presses when i'm born the play button is pressed i come with a series of songs right one happy song sad song whatever correct and it just plays continuously there is no it is a kind of a, the, the, the understanding i'm the body mind i'm born then song gets played and then you know the pre program everything goes per the program that's kind of one reality which is true right the second is then the person that the cd player meets a guru right who understands the signs of a cd player now there are two three paces the guru understands more right guru understands the cd itself is a read write cd so it is not a just a i play and then it plays right it's a read write cd which means i have a, the cd can be songs can be erased songs can be rewritten right that's one understanding of the signs the guru comes with uh, the second understanding the guru also comes with he says there's a forward button there's a pause button in the cd player i just play is just one button there are more buttons i can control with so the guru comes with that understanding right and then when the the guru teaches that that signs to the disciples right then the disciples starts get aha moment oh you know what i don't like song 2 so far i've been suffering whenever i listen to song 4 i can change it right that's kind of one second level of understanding the disciple gets right but as you kind of practice the signs you can also completely you know you'll get into a space you don't need the cd cd player every the identity itself jumps to a different level and that's kind of where i think alpana is coming from is you know this whole thing is still a projection but within the realm of the identity the being has those are all true right if i have not met a guru if i don't understand is a read write cd i don't understand the other players there then in that realm that cd song plays right in that realm of things uh in that plane of that understanding of the identity it plays but if it gets to the second level then i can just make manifest slightly different things right i can manifest wealth i can manifest health but manifesting all that is still within the realm of the maya right but you know that still is i mean it still is a play that can happen the third aspect is the whole thing is uh is just is uh, the identity itself is beyond all this i think that's kind of how he he explained it with the way he helped me to understand this concept the beautiful said muku and um, rick i had raised your raised my hand before you so i'll go if that's okay with you okay so uh um uh, so ajay i think um, at the end of the day you know we keep uh, thinking about uh, rebirth karma theory and all that and i um, just reiterating what muku is saying it's 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 all probably good for quote and quote a logical mind to think through and explain it through a, in a theory okay which can explain quote and quote the grandiose happening in this entire universe which the sciences had not yet discovered so there is a theory for it there is explanation but is it real is it real in true is it true or not true you know it's like it's like trying to uh, uh, trying to find in the water in a mirage mirage itself is not true why are you even searching for something that is much more important for you in something which is not true so the whole point that alpana was trying to make was okay uh it's not even that you know you're going to take millions and millions of birth before you realize who you truly are you know it's not that 
the analogy there that's, that's being used is a room full of darkness can't be pushed out by taking a mug full of darkness every time and throwing it away. You just have to light the lamp. You've got to change the reality of what the room is all about for the darkness to go away. So the question is, what is it that darkness that that we have and who, with whose help we can actually uh, uh, get rid of it? And that's why the, the word guru comes, right? Ru is the darkness within our own mind and gu is the one who's going to get rid of the darkness, the light, the light that's going to be uh, lit in, a, in the dark crevices of our mind that's going to get rid of all these entire theories that you have about quote-unquote the physical universe, the um, you know, mental universe and the created universe, all those kind of things only to say that Aham Brahmasmi. Okay, Brahma Satyam Jagan Mitya. And Brahma Satyam Mitya, Mitya doesn't exist in Satyam and Satyam only exists everywhere. That thing is basically something that we have to start thinking about it. And then that can happen only when this assumed identity of Ahankara and Mamakara goes away. Till such time that Ahankara and Mamakara is there, we will need some sort of aid. Okay. Because the logical brain does not accept inconsistency. So you need to have some sort of a theory or the other to explain some sort of an inconsistency that we have. It could be a physical inconsistency. Okay, then gravity is discovered. You have a theory of gravity. But when you realize that there are, you know, how can somebody be precautious like uh, Mozart who could have composed symphonies at any six years, seven years. And if, if you can't, if science can't explain it, you need another theory. Okay, you explain a theory. But then that theory doesn't explain everything else because within our own limited vision, it does not explain. So you create the, these multiple theories and that's how this whole theory of creation and all that stuff is there. But in reality, do they exist? Answer is no. Rick, over to you. Okay. I, I just, whether we get to this or not today, I wanted to discuss or throw into the ring in this group of verses uh, how it said that creation is not a matter of will. Uh, it, I, I really find that very interesting it's just prakriti it just is but there's no the word is not driven to do it in any way even the concept of leela turns out not to be accurate which i always kind of was my baseline but i also just wanted to add that uh, i don't know truly what it's like for many of you who grew up within this religion i grew up jewish but i remember it was swamiji asking him well, what about God? Isn't it a matter of belief? And he said, no, it's a matter of understanding. And that was riveting to me, really riveting. And uh, uh, this passage here that talks about creation, I would like to have that talked about more. That's all. Excellent. Thank you, Rick. Excellent. We have 10 minutes. We can go. Yeah, can I go? Yeah, again, coming back to chapter 9. Uh, see, chapter 9, the first 10 verses is basically uh, speaking about uh, Ishwara Swarupam. Then, uh, you know, slowly goes into uh, the bhakti part of the, uh, the uh, yoga. And then finally, uh, you know, also uh, dwells into the bhakti part of the yoga. So, which means that once you understand that everything is God, which is the Ishwara Swarupam, uh, whatever you see is God, 
So uh, I think there are two ways of dealing with it. One, uh, which Swami uh, Ji in his uh, Bhagavad Gita lecture says that you can do an abhyasa, which means a deep thinking into, you know, what is this creation, you know, how it has come. So that is one way of doing it, which he says, you know, is a very difficult path to tread because it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of your intellectual energy to get this done. So which means that in the next 10 chapters, uh, you know, uh, Krishna says uh, it's a very quick method is to go and, you know, surrender yourself to God, which means that you take the bhakti path. So then he goes on saying what is Sagama Bhakti, Nishkama Bhakti and all these uh, bhaktis are being uh, dealt with in this chapter. So which means my, uh, you know, question or, uh, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, the question to the group is, uh, does it mean that uh, you know until you have found a guru, uh, you know who can lead you, uh, you know to where you have to go based upon your intellectual capabilities, uh, you have to uh, you know get into this uh, bhakti yoga. So which will which will you know support you to become more and more purer, and then you know lead you to the guru. So is it the bridge uh, between between the knowledge and and the guru? Uh, is is one of the uh, thought process which is coming to my mind. So in the first six verses, he says, you know, uh, you have to do it by yourself. You have to go to a guru and the guru will lead you to the uh, to the destination. But here, uh, there is no talk about guru at all. He says, you have this uh, concept of Ishwara. You know now who the Ishwara is. So get into this uh, bhakti mode. See everything as God. Surrender to the God. So this surrender will lead you to a guru and once you get led to a guru. Does it mean that you know you slowly you can get detached from this uh, you know surrender and then get yourself totally attached to the guru and who will finally lead you to your destination? Which means that you could have an external guru or an internal guru also. So so this is my uh, my question. Uh, anybody can uh, you know uh, clarify if I'm correct or if I'm wrong. And what is the definition of guru in your in your view? Guru is uh, could be a physical guru uh, who teaches you, uh, from whom you can take, uh, you know, the uh, the uh, what to say, the the the, the 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 download, or you can have an internal guru uh, through which you can get, uh, you know, the uh, elevation done. And what is the internal guru? Maybe it is within your mind, you know, you, you select somebody as an internal guru. He may not be a physical guru at all. He might have lived, you know, years before. Or you can select somebody, you know, who keeps you giving the direction. So I think you covered think, all the questions. Uh, okay. Yeah. So the, the way I think, I'm again, I'm quoting a lot of my gurus kind of response here, right? So he said that, again, the gurus can happen in very le many levels, right? You can get a initiation into a, a um, puja, right? So the, there is a guru at that level, right? Then there's a guru at Sadguru, right? Who's going to give you, take you to the path of moksha, right? Give you the experience of moksha. So there are gurus at all levels, right? So in the, the being's journey, right? So you may first become uh, initiated into a specific Devi puja, right? Or Devi mantra, so on and so forth. And that journey will lead you to a Sadguru at some point. Um, the the, the Sadhguru, the main role um, is basically con translating the knowledge to an experience, right? Because for a long time, you know, you're still reading the menu, you're getting inspired, right? And you're kind of going towards it. But that experience of the Brahman, you know, that 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 catalyst, right? That's really the Guru's role is he's kind of the, he acts as that point where he can give that being an experience because too much of just knowledge also, 
you will kind of at some point lead to a frustration if you not uh, you know how much how many i'm going to read about making gulab jamun right if i taste it at some point then i know gulab jamun exists so i think the sadguru's role the way i understand is that that's that's the crux of you know translating that knowledge or guiding even the knowledge to a point and preparing the body mind ecosystem to a point the experience can be given to that being so that then the being then you know knows the possibility it exists and continues to work work one kind of flower through the process uh, that's really where the sadguru's role uh, comes into play and it and always like to your point right the bhakti is the, it's an undercurrent right so first you can have a bhakti to a deva to a deity right then it will become once you meet the sadguru it will become it translate to a guru bhakti and the guru what he does is he takes the guru bhakti matures it matures it and he will turn it back as atma bhakti which is the understanding aham brahmasmi so the 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 sadguru's job is translating preparing you know when you read i read many books many philosophies one day i get interested with bhakti next day interested with some other philosophy we kind of go around right the guru once the sadguru comes he starts kind of getting you to your path that will that take give you the experience right basically that's primarily what the sadguru's job is and then once you even get the experience the guru bhakti eventually will translate and one day it will become uh, atma bhakti which is completely established on yourself and the ultimate uh, truth so he says first tatvamasi you are that and then you say i am brahmasmi i have experienced it so that's how i understood that journey based on what he spoke many times yeah so my my question is bhakti is more of experimentation na? you you do it within yourself you find what is right what is wrong maybe you hit the wrong path and then come back to the rightness but once you get led by a guru you can blindly follow the guru na you you have an sop in place the guru is now very clear right. on what level you are and then you know he can lead you to the path in a much faster way is my take so until you find a guru i think you should take this bhakti mode which is which is like more of an experimentation like you said Uh, there is no initiation for me formally but you know i also try to find out you know the various uh, lectures by different gurus and then try to assimilate something in my mind and then now i feel you know there is something an inner mind you know which keeps me guiding me in so many uh, you know so many things to do i don't know whether it is a good thing or a bad thing it could be reasonably good for me it could be bad for others also so which means that until you get into uh, you know a, a constant following teacher or guru i think uh, you know the path is still going to be experimental uh, based on scriptures uh, based on your uh, your satsang and based on your uh, knowledge so so that was my take pitek i uh, you know the way that i resolve this conundrum uh, uh, in my own mind has been as follows right i think um, there was a point of time in my own even uh, you know spiritual journey where i had this sense that i don't need anyone to really understand what this reality was okay and over a period of time um, even when i started listening to uh, swami guru parananda's lectures for n number of years and uh, read a lot about vivekananda uh, uh, ekanathishwaran lots and lots of stuff going through the whole journey okay one day what it struck me was that i was it was not that the guru was not there gurus are quote unquote physically and non physically they are everywhere it is my inability or my quote unquote my uh, uh, unacceptance of them as guru 
Okay. Correct. So Correct. one day it so happened that uh, that thing broke in me, and they said, "I said, I think all the while I've been resisting accepting this entity. I'm not using the word entity because it can be a person or it need not be a person as guru. And the moment that thing that dropped within myself, that acceptance happened. Then I suddenly found that it was so easy for me to progress to the next step. Exactly." Okay. Correct. So it is. It was. It was not about the universe is not not going to teach you or there is not going to be somebody who's going to be there. But the point is, I was not ready at that point of time. Excellent. Correct. Understood. Understood, Rajesh. Excellent. Alpana. Yeah. And uh, after you complete it, I think we will say a prayer because we're already at seven thirty. Yeah. Just uh, just a quick one that uh, I think both what Muku and Rajesh said, uh, I agree with that. But I think I wanted to just highlight what Rick was saying. Actually, if you look at this particular chapter to understand what God is and then have bhakti on it, that itself is a great step. Because what and, and it is just because you said bhakti means experimentation. I think if we we should in the next uh, session just elaborate on what he was trying to say, that particular paragraph where it is explained what is God. Uh, I think we should touch upon that. And then having bhakti in that God is same as Gyan Yoga, actually. So so that itself uh, is a great pointer too. So we, we'll pick it up next time. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you, Alpha. And which, which sloka is that, Alpha? I want to make sure. It's, that... it's a, there's a paragraph in that book uh, where he explains well that how right. uh, the whole creation is the body and you know how it is okay. different from Prakriti and all. So, so I think, yeah, we should touch upon that. Uh, yeah. what is the definition of God and uh, if you don't mind you know maybe just uh, point it out in, in the chat uh, yeah. later yeah. on so we can build probably you know save some time searching for build it build yeah. build yeah all right 731 and uh, I suddenly realized that I'm running a little late for my other class but we'll do that Om Sarve Bhavantu Sukhinaha Sarve Santu Niramaya Sarve Bhadrani Pashyantu Makaschid Dukkha Bhagbhave Om Shanti 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 Shri Guru Bhyo Namaha Hari Om Hari Om Hari Om Hari Om Hari Om